Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to Hail to the Podcast, a podcast by Redskins fans, for Redskins fans, for those of us who have been hailing through the thick and thin. I am your host, Andrew Alex, a sports reporter at ESPN Radio here in the great city of Blacksburg, Virginia. Joined with me today are our two men who, if you're a, a listener of Redskins Podcast, I'm sure you know them very well already. We have Mitch Tischler and Pete Haley of the Redskins Talk Podcast. Guys, welcome to the program. What up, everybody? How's everybody doing? And, you know, Mitch and Pete are in good spirits right now, which is, uh, you know, not totally reflective of what you'd see from the uh, the angry mob of Redskins fans on Twitter. As you folks probably know, the Redskins played their home opener in front of a whopping crowd of the smallest crowd in the history of FedEx Field, and they lost in a game where they were six-point favorites against the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck diced them up. The Redskins' offense couldn't get much going. The defense, not much better. Guys, in one word to describe this game, what do you got? I'll go with letdown, especially after how good week one was. What a letdown on all fronts. Mitch? Yikes. That's what I'm going with. It can, remember, it's not going to be as good every week as it was week one. It's certainly not going to be as bad as it was week two. This team's going to be torn between the two, which is why everyone and their mother thought they were somewhere between seven and nine and nine and seven. Maybe there's an outlier ten and six end of the season record, but they're never going to be. Uh, they're not going to be as bad week to week as they were in week two. And I certainly, certainly hope so, because the team that went out on the field on Sunday, if they play like that, they are not going to win many games. Let's just break it down, you know, start with the position groups here. Uh, On the offense, a very disappointing performance, obviously. They did not find the end zone. They ended up scoring with three field goals. Dustin Hopkins missed one as well, which would have been a key field goal going into the half. Uh, let's start it off with, let's try to be, maybe try to be a little bit positive here. Is there any guy on the Redskins offense that stuck out to you in a positive way on Sunday? I mean, if you're really, if you're really reaching, I guess you can go Chris Thompson because he caught a lot of balls and took a lot of big shots and didn't get hurt. But I mean, that offense from top to bottom was trash. Yeah, I mean, maybe Chase Roulier because he didn't have any shotgun snaps fly over Alex Smith's head, but his blocking and that whole group's blocking wasn't very good. So I really don't think there's anybody positive on that offense. They were terrible from top to bottom, and especially the wide receivers, just not able to get open. Smith couldn't find him. It was just a lot of six yard checkdowns and three and outs and six and outs. It was bad. Yeah, and even, and even we're talking about Chris Thompson. I mean, he had a good game in like in fantasy points. Like at the end of the game when the Redskins were, you know, they were behind, playing from behind, trying to come back, trying to see if they can get any magic and all you're getting is these underneath throws to Chris Thompson, you know, leading people to think is Jay Gruden trying to win this game or does he just have Chris Thompson on his fantasy team because the catches and the, the catches and the couple of yard gains will get you the points there but but for a team that was trying to come back in a hurry throwing everything underneath like pretty much throughout, not just throughout all of crunch time, but pretty much everything throughout the entire game from that Redskins offense was, you know, under 10 yards in the air. And w- what stuck out to you? How were the Colts able to limit this this Alex Smith-led offense to, you know, just pretty, I mean, it was just boring to watch. Well, I think late you can't, can't take anything away from 
the fact the Colts were playing a three-deep soft zone, not giving the Redskins any chance to go over the top, and the fact that the wide receivers didn't do a very good job of beating anybody off the line, didn't really give them a chance to go deep. But really, it all started up front. The D-line for the Colts just kind of whipped the Redskins' O-line, and they didn't have to send extra bodies all that often to get to Alex. They were able to shut down the running game both inside and out. I mean, if your front four can can be that dominant, it's tough to kind of get anything going going as an offense. And it also goes hand-in-hand hand with that running game. If you're going minus one, minus two on first down, then you're second and 12, and you're kind of hamstrung in an incomplete pass, and all of a sudden it's third and 12, and the defense can just sit on the sticks, make you throw underneath. So Gruden did say yesterday he would have liked to see Smith take more shots late during that comeback attempt, but... If there's, the shots aren't there, you can't just throw it up to Docks and double coverage and hope something good happens. You have to try and move it forward a little bit. But, again, that offense was a total failure, and both passing and running game was out of sync. And that's what happened That's what happened with the Cardinals. The Redskins were the Cardinals from week one. Their game plan was taken from them, and they were just helpless throughout. No, it, it, and they, they really did. That's a good comparison, Pete, because they really did look a lot like the Cardinals did in week one throughout that game. Now, talking about the wide receivers, we're now, you know, after the first week, right, Doxon doesn't have that great of a game, doesn't have much of a game at all week one. And you can shrug it off and be like, well, just based on the fact that the Redskins were in control throughout the entire game, they're grounded pounding, he's not going to get his options there. Week two suddenly... Doxon misses that big, big catch in the first half of that game where that would have brought the Redskins into the red zone, I believe, or at least, you know, kept a very important drive going. He drops it. He's pretty much invisible throughout the game. If you're Josh Doxon, you got to realize that your stock as a number one receiver, a quote-unquote number one receiver, is really in jeopardy right now going into week three. I mean, in the totality of the offense, you worry that the Colts set a blueprint for how to slow them down because they really jammed up the middle of the field. They took away Jordan Reed. They took away Chris Thompson for the majority of the game, the running game from Adrian Peterson, and left Doxon and P. Rich and Crowder in a lot more one-on-one situations with the corners. And the fact those guys couldn't win and get themselves open is definitely concerning. And that's why you saw the Redskins go out and uh, pick up a couple guys guys uh, off the trash heap and hope they can pull something out of the former first-rounders. Yeah. For the record, Josh Johnson had four catches on Sunday. That's tied for his career high in a game. So maybe he kind of blew up on Sunday. We're not giving him enough credit. But it is funny how week one, everybody was okay with the inside-out attack. Oh, we can run the ball and throw to right tight ends and not really rely on the receivers. But you see how delicate that is. And if those running backs don't work, then you need the receivers to start making plays on the outside. doesn't look like the Redskins right now have the guy who can do that. So the inside-out stuff is very fragile, and I'm not exactly sure Perriman or Floyd are going to be the guys to solve it either. It's it's crazy how two weeks in it already looks like receiver is going to be a, a glaring need, and you just got to hope that Richardson and Crowder can kind of get going because Doxon doesn't look like he can be that consistent guy. Yeah, and, and on one hand, the, the question I'm kind of grappling with, right, is do we have to accept that this Redskins team is a team whose options number one and two, put them in whatever order you want, are a tight end and the third down back. Now, granted, they are elite at those positions, but I don't know how many teams are, like, you know, any teams at all in this league are going to be successful without a dynamic number one wide receiver. So someone's going to have to step up 
on the Redskins receiving core. Now, I, I, may that be Doxon, may that be Crowder, who who was nearly invisible, minus that uh, you know that opening run play. Pete, I liked your article on uh, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Thank you. Uh, for talking the plug. about talking about no, the plug is always here, Pete. The plug is always Good. here. I'm here to plug like y'all. That. But uh, yeah. Jamison Crowder, the leading rusher for the Washington Redskins on Sunday. And uh, I don't know if you guys have your, your Tandler facts in you of when the last time that happened. I don't remember off the top of my I, head. I believe it was 1968. So Tandler Oof. was like 22 years old at that time. That was peak Tandler. <laughs> that, is a, uh, that is a sight to imagine right there. A young Tandler. I feel like uh, he's eternally old <laughs> from what I've seen. But uh, so talking, so going back to the running backs, guys. And you said, Mitch, you said it started up front. How much has your faith in Adrian Peterson dropped? If he, so let's just say Adrian Peterson was an A on week one, your overall rating of him. What, are, how much are you leveling expectations? What, where do you think he's at right now following a, a near-invisible performance week two? And how much do you think that falls on the offensive line? How much do you think that falls on him? I think a lot of this week fell on the offensive line. Um Adrian Peterson's going to be up and down. I mean, he hasn't played a full season in a few years, and obviously he's up there in age. But he's, you know, as with most running backs, are only as good as their O-line is. And this this O-line this week was was not very good. Um, and, you know, going forward, the Colts are somebody they should have been able to run against, but you wouldn't have thought they would have been able to run against the Cardinals. So it's a week-to-week thing. There was a huge overreaction when they – beat up on the Cardinals the way that they did with both the running game, the offense, and the defense, there's going to be an equal overreaction for how bad they played against the Colts. The Packers are out there, and they're beatable. I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't Aaron Rodgers right now necessarily, and they're a beatable team, and they're they're able to be run on. So I would see a much more concerted effort. I would expect a much more concerted effort this week. And, and, that's, and that's absolutely right, Mitch. I mean, you look at a team like the Packers who – the amount that they rely on Rodgers, I mean, we saw it for a little more than half a season last year with uh, with Brett Hundley. We saw it for, you know, a quarter and a half against Chicago week one with Deshaun Kaiser. The amount that offense relies on a guy who is, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, at least not in terms of rings, but Tom Brady even said once, if Aaron Rodgers had Bill Belichick's offense, that guy would be throwing for 7,000 yards a season now. If you're the GOAT, question it, calling someone else perhaps even better than you, that says something. But for a Redskins DB group that let T.Y. Hilton just take advantage of them with Andrew Luck, who does the blame fall on individually if you could pick one guy, whether it be a coach, whether it be an individual player, and who needs to step up the most in week three in order to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Well, the reality is we knew the secondary is going to be young and they're going to be growing pain. And so Fabian Moreau playing his first real season and Dunbar we had a great game against the Cardinals he was a little bit less noticeable of course Norman didn't show up very well Swearinger said that practice last week you could kind of tell things were out of whack which I, I always feel like if you can tell things are out of whack why aren't you correcting that Friday Saturday and why are you waiting until Sunday for that to happen so the communication just was lacking there are times where the guys were talking as the snap was coming and it's weird because FedEx Field's not loud and you would hope that the defense would be able to get into their stuff early but the whole entire secondary has to be better. There's not one guy who stepped up, and Rodgers will be able to pick you apart. I guess the one saving grace is that the Packers don't really have a deep speed guy like Hilton, but Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb are very professional receivers too. So 
everyone's got to get their communication better. The practicing has to be better. Tori and Gray needs to get these guys ready or else it's going to be another long day. I also think it's important to, to point out that the Colts did a good job of rolling their coverage over top of Jordan Reed, you know, inside outing him and limiting uh, Chris Thompson. The Redskins didn't do a whole lot of that. And it almost, and I, you know, I don't know what the game plan was, so take it with a grain of salt, but it really felt like the Redskins after week one thought they could line up in their base defense and run the defense they wanted to without having to concentrate on stopping a particular player, which obviously if you watch the Colts, it's T.Y. Hilton. And to me, that was the big the big disconnect was that they kind of allowed T.Y. to line up where he wanted in the slaughter outside, didn't give him a lot of, didn't give whatever corner was in front of them a lot of help in terms of um, over-the-top help or, or doubling him. And and to me, that, that was the misstep on Sunday for the most part of, on the defense. And you think Mitch only knows big men? Wait till you hear him talk about secondary coverages. I'm getting excited just thinking about it, man. Mitch knows his stuff. All three levels of the defense and offense, baby. Yeah, no, well, offense, defense, special teams, all, all three phases of the game, we got uh, Mitch's expertise on that. But going into next week, right, who who is feeling the most pressure right now? It's just one individual. Now, may it be Alex Smith who... You know, after a performance week one, and it's amazing, right? It's amazing. And, and like, you know, any, everyone who has been in the media for a long enough time can tell you this is a week-to-week league, and you don't really know how good the teams you're going up against are early in the season like this. Now, think about last year, right? The win against the Rams week two looked like we just beat the Rams, like the good old St. Louis Rams who weren't good. They ended up being a contender. The loss to the Eagles week one you're losing your five-game winning streak against the Eagles. This is terrible. Oh, wait, they go on to win the Super Bowl. With the Packers week three, I think you kind of have a feeling with what you're going to get. And the way that they came back against the Bears, the way that they came, the way that they, I guess they didn't beat Kirk Cousins and the uh, Minnesota Vikings, but they played a very good game against a very good team. What are your expectations for this game? Do you think the Redskins can pull one through at FedEx Field on Sunday? I'll tell you what, with the bye week looming, it feels like they got to pull one out because if they go in losing two straight, first of all, the pressure and the talk and the fans and all that around Jay Gruden is going to be pretty, pretty heavy. And an own to start at home too would be quite ugly. So, and then you, you know, coming out of the bye week, you're going on the road to New Orleans on Monday night. Obviously they've struggled a little bit, but you know, you know how good that team is. There's, there's kind of some pressure this week for them to come out and play, well, I think the big thing they have going for them is that the biggest thing that's killed them about Aaron Rodgers the past two or three times they faced him has been his mobility and how he's been able to kind of wiggle around in the pocket and get free and make some throws on the run. And we saw last week that knee's not 100%. And with the D-line, hopefully they can uh, get a little more pressure from the outside. Kerrigan and... Oh, uh, you bastard. You stole my answer of who's feeling the most pressure. Kerrigan and Preston Smith have both been you. a little bit... Uh, ghostly not even a little bit just ghostly so i, I think that that uh i think that that they have a chance here to, to come out and pull one out yeah but for real though guys i mean that is a a, a feeling that seems like you know a redskins comment that i don't think has been made many times over the past you know better half of a decade that over a two-game span ryan kerrigan's been basically invisible that's uh that's a weird one at fedex field yeah i mean you don't want to give him a pass because they need him, but it's been eight or nine years of solid production, and you just 
it's it is odd. I mean, it's not even that he's been invisible in the backfield. I mean, I don't even know if he's made a tackle. Preston Smith had the one hit on luck for a guy in a contract year. He needs to do a lot more. Um, the the front seven as a whole, I think Mason Foster and Zach Brown have played pretty well, but Jonathan Allen has, it, of course, his stats aren't going to pop. Neither Deron Payne, but they haven't really made any really flashy plays. Ionitis is the only one who's gotten in the backfield a decent amount. So the front seven is is lackluster. But even that, I was looking at the stats. Of course, they've played two, I mean, a dreadful team, and then an offense that was fine. They're leading the league in points allowed, or leading the league in yards allowed, and second in points. But these next three games where they play the Packers, Saints, and Panthers, that's going to be a totally different story. So they're still near the, near the top after those games, then you can talk to me about it. I also think if you want to take the bright side of things for Kerrigan, the first two weeks they played quarterbacks that love to get rid of the ball real quick, and Andrew Luck and Sam Bradford. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a really quick release, but he definitely dances back there a little bit. So there should be opportunities, knock on wood, that those guys are going to have an opportunity to, to hit the White Wizard. All right. couple more questions for you. Talking about the wide receivers, we, you mentioned briefly how Perriman and Michael Floyd were brought in. A lot of people on the Internet, a lot of Redskins fans kind of freaking out, poo-pooing the, the signings, saying that you're bringing in a terrible guy. And, I mean, people around the DMV are familiar with uh, Perriman, his time in Baltimore was lackluster to say the least. Uh, Floyd, you know, the former Cardinal Viking, you know, a guy who seems to be on the decline in his career. How would you rate these signings? And would you have preferred that they try to bring in a bigger name guy? Like we know they tried to get Josh Gordon and failed, or of course the big looming question, Des Bryant still in the free agent market. I would, so I don't, I don't think Brian or Gordon would have been better. Brian, the problem with the Redskins receivers right now is they have trouble getting open. The knock on Brian is that he lost that ability a couple years ago. And then Gordon, of course, he's a freakish talent, but he's just so unreliable. I'm not buying into the fact that just because he's on the Patriots now, he's going to stop screwing up and he's going to be great. And him and Brady are going to connect for the next 14 games. He had one good season in 2013. Yeah, like. The fact I'm glad they're making moves because it shows that they recognize a weakness. The problem is when you're going to the free agent market in week two, there's not going to be any big solution. So I think they just really have to work on the guys that they have in house already. Maybe Floyd and Perriman can surprise you, but it's it's more of the players who are here now, Crowder, Richardson, Dawson, that needs to be better. So I'm not expecting much from these signings, and I'm glad they didn't get Josh or Des. Now, I Definitely put, good they didn't go after Des. Yeah, yeah. I can, I completely agree with you because I saw by the way, I saw for the first time I was watching some mic'd up video online. It was Des Bryant just having an absolute mental breakdown in the Cowboys locker room, like screaming at reporters. I'm like, is that the kind of guy that you want to bring into your locker room? Especially, I mean, and being around the team, you guys can probably attest to this. This is a pretty uh, 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 like a high character, good group of guys. There doesn't seem to be any outstanding locker room cancer in this Redskins room right now. I don't think you want to bring that guy in. Now, in terms of Perriman and Floyd, right, I don't think that they have to be great. People are, like, comparing them to the talent level and the role that you would bring Des Bryant in for. In reality, they basically only have to be as good as Trey Quinn and Cam Sims would have been. Now, you know, it's Trey Quinn. He's Superman. That's nearly impossible, but they might be able to at least scratch the surface. I mean, I think you're bringing them in to be better than that you're bringing them in because you want them to be able to play and make a difference. And Cam Sims and Trey Quinn weren't getting a whole lot of playing time. I mean, you're hoping that you, that at least one of those two guys hits and can be maybe a starter and step in and get that separation that the current starters aren't getting, or at minimum light up. 
fire underneath those guys to get out there and do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think maybe the plan is just you hope one of these two work out. You bring in two former first-rounders. You hope you catch something with one of them. You let the other one go. But it, it's it's going to be dicey. And Rashad Perriman has some pretty elite speed. Right. The problem, the problem is once the speed gets him open, securing the football has proven to be an issue. His catch rate makes like Terrell Pryor's look like 95%. Yeah, he was catching balls from Joe Flacco, who we all know is an elite. So. <laughs> now, last thing I'm talking about here is in regard to, and this is a big story, with, with the attendance and the stadium. I don't want to go too deep into it, but my thought here, right, is it is depressing to see an empty, a FedEx field with empty seats. But I think that this fan base will come back around if the Redskins are playing meaningful home football games in the month of December. The stadium might, you might have problems with the stadium, you might have problems with the in-game experience, but Redskins fans will come back if there's meaningful football in the months of November and December. Agree or disagree? Listen, winning cures all. We all know that. All these stadium up, upgrades that they've made, the DJ on the field, the... The ale to the Redskins beers. Yeah, all the these The fire and the pregame intros. They're all great. They're all cool. But at the end of the day, that that those things alone aren't going to bring the fans back. Winning on the field is what makes a difference. Playing meaningly, meaningful football into, into the winter matters. And until that starts happening on a consistent or semi-consistent basis... You know, you're gonna you're gonna have the the apathy that you see from from the fan base. Yeah, when when a team can't string together two weeks in a row of good solid football, the fans aren't really gonna turn out. I don't think beating the Cardinals and having a Colts home opener was any way to get these people super juiced up. So I wasn't super surprised to see a somewhat lackluster turnout. It's you gotta have a team be eight and five coming down the stretch to get people to turn out in November, December. All right, well, that is about to wrap it up for us, guys. Mitch Tischler and Pete Haley, if they, if the people listening here do not know, where can they hear more from you? That would be the Redskins Talk podcast on NBC Sports Washington. You can find us on Apple. We also have an Instagram. You can see all the behind-the-scenes stuff that Mitch does. He's a real troublemaker, and we're trying to expose that at Redskins Talk Pod on your Instagram. Also on Twitter at Mitch underscore Tischler and at underscore Peter Haley. Peter Haley. We keep it formal on the Twitter handle. Hey, got to, uh, Pete, when are you going to get, is is Pete Haley MBCS not available or something? I feel like the underscore is kind of a killer. The underscore definitely hurts. I'm going to try and work my way around on that. And I'm also, I think I'm ready to go from Peter to Pete on Twitter. So it will be addressed soon. But for now, go to at underscore Peter Haley. And then once you're there, you can follow me with all my new names as well. What I appreciate is that whenever anybody tweets at Peter, it sounds like his mom is mad at him using the full name. It kind of gives me a chuckle. (laughs) All right, boys. I appreciate you coming on. Now, remember, folks, we are Hail to the Podcast. You can get this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere where podcasts are found. Uh, If you like this podcast, here's what you're going to do. You're going to subscribe. You're going to text every Redskins fan you know, and you're going to tell them that this podcast is at least worth 20 minutes of their workday in their cubicle somewhere in Arlington where they're dreaming of happy hour at 5 o'clock. So I will be back with some dude who knows about the Packers in probably two days. I need to figure out exactly who that's going to be, but we will have a Packers reporter guest. And so stay tuned for that. Until then, hail to the Redskins. Let's <laughs> go.